All right. Okay. Whew. All right. <laughs> how, how, how many university degrees does it take? To how many years of education does it take? This is like, you wonder, you wonder why sound mixing and everything is so expensive. Right. It's because those people have a fucking skill set. Like, 100%. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Also, now I'm really worried that the microphone's going to pick up the ice clinking in my iced matcha, so apologies. Not... <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it, because now I want an iced matcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like just gently move the microphone away from my face so I can drink while we do this. So, <laughs> well, welcome, welcome, welcome back, everyone. We, we've got, we had a pretty long recording hiatus, extended even one more week because of some issues on my end uh, the, from our, when we were supposed to previously record this episode. Apologies to patrons who are expecting early access. You just won't get it this week, but uh, that'll pick up again pretty soon. Um, this is, I'm David Hoyt, and this is ExoFriends on the Elder Millennial Network, the ExoFriends podcast, the only one currently being recorded, and the only one you should ever listen to. I'm kidding. Exo Squad Goals is great. You should go listen to it. And I am joined by... Kayvon Pashami. And Lexi DeConing. And patrons, and everyone, anyone who's listening, you will probably... Be glad to notice that Kayvon and I have proper microphones now, so we don't sound like complete shite. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yes, thank thank you very much, patrons. It, it would not would not have been possible to get that upgrade without you guys. Yeah. We really appreciate it. But oh, as always, tell your friends. Sign up. Give us more money. We'll make the show even better. We'll try to make even more content if we can. There you go. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll even yeah, write so, some extra squad fanfic if you pay us enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, spe- and speaking speaking of that, um this is this is the first episode of the podcast diving into season 2 of Exo Squad and I just wanted to, you know, I asked the I asked a few of the Facebook groups and the Reddit channel for some feedback and everything. Didn't really get a whole lot, but I also asked for some fan projects and I just wanted to shout out a couple of them. You've obviously all heard us talk about the ExoSquad archive once or twice. You guys should go there. They're selling a new set of pins. I'm gonna pick up one. My I'm gonna pick up a few of those myself today. Uh, they're really cool. I really yeah. like them, and they look and they look awesome. Thank you. I've never been much of a pin collector, although I do remember in my childhood, my parents did have like these framed patches of denim or something that they would put <laughs> pins on. Mm-hmm. On my brother's wall and my wall, and they would do that for like his his Cub Scout things and like just pins that I would pick up as a kid. So like, I guess the concept I've always understood it, but I just never really got into it. Yeah, well, since it's basically the 1980s again, I mean Donald Trump is kind of the uh, the farce to Ronald Reagan's tragedy and all that, and that's you know we're kind of just living through the 80s again. Um, denim is back in, especially like denim jackets are kind of back in fashion. You can always wear your pins on your denim jackets too, so you can like sport a sleek. Like, you know, in the fall, um, like a little denim jacket and show everybody how into Exo Squad you are with your red Exo Squad pins. So my my daily my daily job is slightly related to the fashion world. And I think because denim is back, I should be wearing like the tightest denim bodysuit I possibly can when I go back just to show off my fashion. I am 100% here for this. And I would encourage I... you to grow a mustache in the process. I uh, Have you guys watched Invincible? No. No. So the it's it's a it's a cartoon on Amazon about uh for, based on a comic book you know kind of not quite a deconstruction comic book but like a hyper violent one like what if Superman was evil right, right. and uh, the main character on that like all the main characters on that have like these super thick like mustaches and I really I I've been tempted to grow one to, just to look like Omni Man from that show. Heck yeah. Although I'd have to probably work out for the next five years to look anything like Omni Man. <laughs> but you know, it could happen. It could happen. Heck yeah. Oh, is this the one that's um it's uh Robert Kirkman? Yeah, that's the The Walking that's Dead the guy. Walking Dead guy, yes. It's very very good series and I also just finished the entire comic book series and that was super fun. Heck yeah. Uh hi highly highly recommend it don't know if there's anything shitty about robert kirkman tell me if there is but if there isn't go enjoy his stuff i think he's i think he's good i'm a huge walking dead fan love like the comics the show is dog shit but um uh yeah so i think he's good i don't know anything bad about robert kirkman um 
it's it sucks that I even have to think about that nowadays. <laughs> like I shouldn't I shouldn't have to, but it's so prevalent. I know. But uh, you're not listening to R. Kelly, right? Like I feel like that's that's like the extreme end of the spectrum where like I, I you know right. not that I was really ever a fan of R. Kelly, but it's like this is so blatantly exploitative and abusive and fucked up that like I cannot possibly listen to your music. But I also want to say for the record, like we all enjoy art and media and literature and stuff made by people who were yep. varying shades of problematic. So, I mean, know, I, you, I, yeah, depending probably... on what it is, you need to figure out what your comfort zone is yeah. <laughs> for that kind of stuff. I'm probably not going to stop listening to like David Bowie, for instance. You know, sometimes you just, it's a, it's a bit of a pick and choose. Probably easier when the person is dead too. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, everyone everyone's got their line and like there's certainly a line that if an artist cross, I'll be like I'm never going to I'm going to try to never consume their thing again to make sure they never make any more money. Exactly. But like m- most of the time, you know, you can I, I don't think I don't think it's bad in some cases to separate the art from the artist. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just kind of have to, you know. And as yeah. far as I know, I don't think there's any need to do that with Robert Kirkman. He's I'm sure. Yeah. Decent guy. Um, I mean, join us next. <laughs> join us next time for the Robert Kirkman podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Actually, I would be here for that. Oh, oh man. man, once if if they actually finish that entire comic book series with that cartoon, I would definitely want to talk about that. Yeah. That it is. It is the level that they take a lot of the stuff in the cartoon from the comic books is like visceral but that's the word i would use beautiful yeah i'm i'm here for it i think we need to we're working through full metal alchemist for the uh, it's my first time watching it so once we're through that we're gonna yeah need more stuff the original anime or the brotherhood the original the original Gotcha. You know me, I'm very behind on my anime. Uh, so, which is like hilarious because well, I really actually like I like everything I've watched. It's like, why did I wait this long? Yeah, once you once you find the stuff you like, because there's so much of it. That's right? true. Um, so so the, there, I, I will say that uh, the original is good. Uh, I personally prefer the Brotherhood version. Mm. It supposedly follows the the manga mm-hmm. much more closely because the manga wasn't finished when they made the first one. Interesting. So, like, there's a lot. It's a lot longer and a lot darker. Neat. Say that. Okay. Okay. But, but back. Anyway, (laughs) uh, back to back to fan stuff because I asked for that. Um, Well, of course, you know, I would, I would, it would be criminal of me not to shout out. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, man. Michael Civadines. He has been supporting and talking to us since our, I think, our first episode. He posts every time we make a new episode, and I'm pretty sure he's the reason why we get the listeners that we do. Uh, So, Michael, we see you. We love you. Keep up the good work. Um, I promise uh, that message you sent me a few months ago about uh, about the the visual novel you're working on we're going to talk about that here uh today and i'm just shouting it out now if anyone's interested in that follow michael uh he's working on a visual novel for exosquad Heck yeah and he also does a ton of customized figurines oh, for exosquad yeah. and uh he, <laughs> he linked me a few of his projects and i have to say at first like you know my 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 initial reaction as the cynical nerd that I am, I see someone taking like a uh, a Black Widow figurine and painting it to look like Nara Burns and all the steps. And I'm like, wow, that's that's weird. And then I see the end and I'm like, oh, no, this isn't weird. It's actually really fun and cool. Like, I've got to I've got to get rid of that mindset from my head <laughs> that like people's hobbies, like if they had like if they have something I don't understand, I've just got to be like, nah, it's cool. Like, <laughs> and the end, the end product you come up with is pretty awesome. So Michael, again, thank you so much for all your, all your support and being a patron. Uh, we, we really hope that really appreciate it. Yeah. Where can people yeah. follow Michael or see these figurines and whatnot? Like, does he have an Instagram um, or 
I don't know. I don't see him having an Instagram, but if you go to the Facebook group, bring back Exo Squad. He's a heavy contributor there. You'll see okay. any. You'll see anything posted by him, and you'll be able to follow uh, what's going on there. Uh, also, with the Exo Squad archive, there are big contributors there mm. as well. You can see all their pins and their merch for sale there. Uh, yeah. Okay. And that's really that's really about the extent to the the feedback I got. As always, everyone, if you send in an email to. Uh, Oh man, now I can't remember it. Elder Millennial Network at gmail.com. I'll, pro- I'll probably put, we've got that posted a lot of different places. You can send us messages on Facebook. Uh, I pretty much read everything uh, and uh, be glad to include it on the show whenever we get it. Yeah. Heck yeah. So, uh, we, uh, as said before, we are we are starting into season two of Exo Squad. At the end of last season, we had this really climactic like three episode run for a for a great conclusion where Olympus Mons exploded Phaeton nearly died and has obviously been injured and is starting to like break down both physically and mentally um the exo fleet has been all but destroyed by the actions of uh the late captain Marcus and they have escaped by the skin of their teeth to the moon base Io and um, right as the episode opens up, uh, we see, we, you, you know, always the show has great foreshadowing. We see a character who's going to be important later in the future, uh, just kind of uh, working on the moon base. I don't remember his name, but we'll, we'll see him later on, and he'll be important to character development within the squad. Um, the, the, the opening for the show no longer seems to have that J.T. Marsh narration. Which I think I think is something lost there. I I, I liked that narration. I, I thought it added to the show. Yeah, yeah. I think it it kind of it sort of sets the the epic tone of it. You know, it's like this sort of like introduction. Um, I mean, I like the uh, I like it showing you all the different characters, um, especially because it yeah. like teases some characters that will become important uh, later, like Avery and um, oh, what's the lady jump trooper's name? Colleen. Uh, Colleen. Yeah, Colleen and O'Reilly. Colleen O'Reilly. That's representing it. Irish pride. Fuck yeah! <laughs> right. <laughs> Despite the fact that everybody on Earth except the Australians now apparently like speak English with an American accent, because like Dalyon's French, she's Irish. Like, could you imagine if the show actually gave Dalyon a French accent? Because it would, they wouldn't have gotten a French voice actor. They would have had an American voice actor speaking in a probably racist French accent. <laughs> you mean like some of the pirates? Who I'm sure oh, we're yeah. going to get to uh, in a minute here. But uh, yeah, yeah. It w- I, I would have been here for it. Like French de Leon like, would have been definitely pretty entertaining. But, you know. That would have been that that would have absolutely been his nickname in a military organization if he had a French accent. <laughs> Everyone would have called him French de Leon. <laughs> French de Leon. <laughs> French de Leon. <laughs> oh. Um. Well, like like you just said, Kayvon, we get we get some teasers in this opening of of some new characters because we see um, uh, two jump troopers, Colleen O'Reilly, and what's his first name? Avery. That that's that's I can't remember his his first name. Oh, it's I think his first name is Avery, isn't it? Oh wait, is it Avery Butler? It's Avery. I think it's Avery Butler. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and the, they Avery looks badass. Like. <laughs> uh, he he's probably he's probably one of my favorite characters in the oh, show, yeah. even though he doesn't really get a whole lot to do. But like, it, uh, you know, one one of the many characters, I'm like, I want to know more about him. Right. Like, give me give me give me like a three episode run of him. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah one of the I think one of the like big tragedies of this show not taking off is the fact that like because like if it had if it had really kind of blown up and been a thing like you know you could have seen a whole bunch of spinoffs like a whole um, jump troop spinoff. Would have been really yeah. fun. I just remember as a kid being like super into the jump troops. I thought their armor was really cool. I thought it was like really awesome. I like hopped around places and stuff. And yeah. Oh man, could you like? I don't know why I just thought of this. Uh, who's the guy who made Starship Trooper? Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, Is that his name. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Paul Paul Verhoeven's <laughs> Exo Squad Jump Troopers. <laughs> Would you like to know more? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would have been. It'd be sad. The media that bit would have been the media product of the '90s for me. Simultaneously yeah. terrible and great at the same time. Amazing. Uh, don't don't even try to criticize Starship Troopers. <laughs> it's possibly the best movie ever made. It's definitely. Uh, it may actually be the best movie <laughs> of the '90s. 
I'm going to get a bunch of hot people, make them Marines, <laughs> make them fight bugs. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a brilliant commentary on fascism and American ideology. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Avery Butler's really cool, though, and I would definitely watch like a Jump Troop uh, spin-off show. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it also, like, right off the bat, like you can see either the animation direction, the animation budget, both maybe, have, have really taken a leap in this mm. second season. Like, they start using lighting and shadow in really dramatic ways that, like, improve upon the feeling of what's going on. Um, the, the details on characters has been enhanced to uh, a very noticeable level. Uh, <laughs> Admiral Winfield now has gray hair. Um, <laughs> and there hasn't been that much time between the end of season one and the beginning of season two. Yeah, but the poor man's been dealing with a lot, trying to rebuild the XF fleet and everything. I could see it. Like, like, I, I, I like to picture they pulled in they pulled into Moonbase IO on that, uh, with their survivors. He went to take an, like a single nap and woke up with gray hair. Right. He's like, oh my god. This has been the most stressful 48 hours of my entire life fucking life right. <laughs> despite the fact that we've established because he fought in the um in the uprising so we've established he's like what like 90 or something like that yeah he's gotta be <laughs> uh, oh. the um and, and yeah so like we, we got this this episode seems like it does a whole lot but there's not a, it doesn't seem to me like there's a whole lot deep to talk about but we're gonna yeah. we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do it some justice by by going over what does go on. Yeah. Um. We we op- we open up like like I said they're they're re- they're enhancing or repairing Moonbase IO and trying to get the fleet back up in order with the survivors that they have. Uh, Nara does that does the typical you know new season of a of a show thing. She's introducing the squad members. Um, getting getting a getting a new sense for who everyone in the squad is and the role that they play. Uh, I like the part where uh, she's she's describing Marsala as this big <laughs> gentle giant, and uh, she she moves over to Maggie, and Marsala is like leaning real close into Maggie's work, like "What you doing?" And if I was Maggie, I'd be like, "Back the fuck up, dude." <laughs> well. I also found that really funny because I mean it's really nice to have the recap and like reintroducing all the characters. Um, but I think yeah, because Marsala's the last one she introduces, and it's like she talks about how Maggie is like as at home with bioenergetics as with some other like thing, whatever. Everyone has this like high tech intro or like how talented they are or how good they are. Like Kaz is like the best like fighter pilot, blah blah blah. And then like Marsala comes into frame and then she's like, and then there's Marsala. He's just a big hot dummy. He's so kind and gentle. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Sorry. I would I, so I know they're... it's they're trying to say something about like the character's relationship, but I was just like, Marsala's spot too. Like he does stuff. The... There is this great line in the last season of the Castlevania anime yeah. where where someone describes Alucard as this brilliant but largely useless man and I'm just <laughs> picturing Nara saying that right now even though even though Marsala is like by far and away one of the most talented skilled and useful people in the school he's probably the most useful he's the one that like engineered the entire destruction of olympus mons like single-handedly yeah right he he's 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 smart uh he's the only one who can like sneak into neosapien facilities unnoticed uh by virtue of being a neosapien (laughs) and as we'll see later in this episode he's got a great sense of pranks and humor he's all thumbs (laughs) (laughs) it's like i think one of my favorite scenes in all of this like entire series but we'll get to that in a moment yeah and uh like like i said i noted that that this this can't be that long after the end of season one and i know i know when cartoons go from scene to season they'll usually do a little recap that looks a little different at the end but because we 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 saw Winfield telling Marsh about the mission that he's about to send them on, and Marsh is immediately walking into this hangar and telling Alec about it, or getting Alec for it. Mm. Which leads us, like, you know, Dara gives us recap, Marsh walks in, he kind of gives the come-hither look to uh, Alec, and they and they walk out. And they're going to meet Admiral Winfield in his 
in his uh, gray glory uh, to brief Alec on the mission to try and ally with the pirates because at this point that's the only way they'll ever win this war. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited. I like the pirates. I'm glad they're back. Yeah, big yeah, times. yeah. It it would it would be a crime if we didn't get more pirates. Like if they were only in season one, it'd be like, how much work did you put in to just not use these people? Right. Um, well, and it's like, a, and oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you first. You first. I was just say it's a really nice narrative turn because like you know they kind of introduced the pirates in the first season, and you're like, oh god, these are the bad guys. But you know the whole time. Thanks to the very opening of the show, that like, oh, they're going to get betrayed by these blue guys here pretty soon. So you kind of know, and then they disappear, and you sort of forget about them over the course of the thirteen, the thirteen episodes of season one. You know, I'm definitely like my ten year old brain was like, oh, pirates, what? Oh yeah, I forgot about these guys. So it's like a nice narrative turn, and it sort of like kind of just shows you the brink to which they've been pushed because they're like completely, you know, um, for lack of a better word, impotent. Like they don't have the ability to really do much aside from like, you know, some covert operations here and there. Um, and it, so it just like, I don't know, it really kind of like helps to, it's just a nice narrative turn, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, Alec and JT agreed to this mission because Winfield says it's completely voluntary because there's a high likelihood that you'll die. And, <laughs> and, um, as he leaves, Winfield turns around and starts talking about how, okay, now they need to set up the mission to go pick up the uh, leaders of the various resistance movements in, on Earth and Venus for a summit to finally, you know, coordinate what they're all doing and decide the direction that they need to move in. Um, because the ExoFleet, like, like we said, they can no longer operate on their own. They need every, every hand on deck. And uh, the next scene, we see Bronski struggling with a purple version of Nara and Marsala's E-frame, uh, getting ready to pick up uh, one of the delegates from Earth with uh, uh, with Rita and Kaz. And he's Maggie just really and Nara. fucking it up as well, right? Like, yeah, he's he's not good at it. He's <laughs> he's not good at all. Well, he's not good. He he's not good at backing. Like he maybe he's just not good at parallel parking. Because he's trying to like get Fair her enough. into a loading bay. Like, I, I failed my driver's test the first time because I couldn't parallel park. No matter how much my dad sat there and was like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's the hardest part. I did too, man. That's the hardest part of it. Especially because they give you like the bare minimum space that you would ever have right. in, in one of those spots. It's like, okay. I can't imagine if, if someone taking those tests and trying to do that with like a pickup truck. <laughs> like I don't know how anyone ever passes that, right? Um, let alone in an E-frame. So seriously, yeah, let alone let alone don't, in an E-frame. Don't feel too bad, Bronski. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ma- Maggie and Nara uh, get ready to go pick up Nara's brother on Venus, and we get this nice little moment where you know Nara's talking about her brother, and Maggie's like, "It must, it sure must be nice to have someone who cares about you." And it's like, "Oh, Maggie." Oh, oh, shame. <laughs> so, the people care about you, Maggie. Yeah, just wait. Um, just wait a few more episodes. It'll yeah, be just fine, yeah. Maggie. It's gonna turn out just fine. It, and you know, we we already we already know Kaz is down to clown. Wow. We, we we switch we switch over to the to the Neo Sapiens now and like I said this show is just really like you get you get thirty seconds here thirty seconds here thirty seconds here and right. the, the, we're trying to kick off season two as hard as we can. Uh, Typhonus, who is who at the end of season one was basically exiled with a mission to kill Admiral Winfield uh, and J T Marsh and Marsala uh, is phoning phaeton to say oh i can't find them i don't know where they are you know space is big and empty you know it's hard to track <laughs> and uh we can we get a glimpse of phaeton's deteriorating physical state like you can see the scarring like from his uh from his ordeal at olympus mons all over his face and body and he's in this he's in this uh not quite e-frame but like not like a medical suit almost yeah some sort of like medical mecha type thing M- yeah, i M- assume M-frame? that's what's keeping him alive M frame yeah yeah okay. well yeah. yeah 
um, you know, we'll get a little bit more about that coming soon, but it's like, it definitely, like, this is, this is one of my favorite things about season two is just like the body horror that really starts to like move to center stage here and all just like the weird mm. mutations and stuff. And yeah, so like, this is like the first teaser of that, of just like his weird tumor covered face. Like, I don't know what to call those. Yeah. We, we, we go, we go from space. Uh, I think we call it scar tissue, but now, now is the point where we go from like space opera to like, really sci-fi like yeah. starting to get out there with this stuff yeah and that that's the good that's a lot of the good stuff in season two yeah um back to maggie and nara are descending down to venus to pick up james uh <laughs> nara, nara is uh, maybe maybe because they didn't have a lot of time to uh really interact the first time we met james but nara is definitely treating james like he is he is seven years old in front of his command <laughs> i'd be like oh come on sister what the fuck it's like that's uh, my little brother <laughs> it's like i i ride around on a jetpack and i'm trying to save venus here give me some respect <laughs> uh they get attacked by neo sapiens as they're doing the pickup and uh but they get out unscathed they they, they get away pretty handily um <laughs> and while they're while they're getting away, Maggie finally hits something with with her shots, <laughs> killing two E frames at or kill two Neo sapiens at the same time. Um, because there's been a lot of instances where people are like, "Great shot, Maggie!" and then she misses completely. <laughs> right. is, this, is this the first time she hits something in the show? I don't know. The, I think it might be. If not the first, if not the first, like the second. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's an engineer. She's just, her 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 E-frame barely bends. Like, <laughs> right. It's more like a loader okay, than enough. anything else. Yeah. It's mostly meant she's, for fighting xenomorphs in like hand-to-hand combat. Uh, dropping them out of the airlock. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's, she's basically she's basically fighting a war on a forklift. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the forklift equivalent of an E-frame. That's amazing. Uh, over over to Earth, Marsala picks up Napier. Um, they Napier Napier is real chummy now. He's like, "Oh, it's good to see you, Marsala." And he, again, he made another great Marsala like dry wit moment. And someone makes a joke, and Marsala's like, "What?" <laughs> He definitely knows you're joking. He's just trying to make you feel like an idiot. I swear also, that's yeah. Or go ahead, on. Oh no, no, you were gonna say like Masala's just having them on a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. I was gonna say like I love how Napier's trying to climb into the E-frame, and Masala looks like he. I don't think you actually see it, but it looks like he's about to scoop him up like a toddler, like under the armpits, and like help him into the E-frame. <laughs> right. That would be amazing. He like, could too, like easily. Right. <laughs> Because he reaches over to like help Napier in, and I'm just like, oh, he's like a little, like a little child being lifted truth, by this giant blue man. Truth, truth be told, if I was trying to get into that E-frame and I knew that Neo Sapien could pick me up like easily with one hand by my arm, I'd be like, hey man, <laughs> help a brother out. Right. Like, <laughs> I ain't got time for this climbing shit. Lift me up. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, they they are they are also pursued by Neo Sapiens into orbit. Uh, but Kaz and Maggie are ready, and they start they start blasting. Uh, I love I love the line from or not Maggie, uh, Rita. I love the line from Rita as Kaz is like trying to be clever. He's like, "Stop talking and start hacking." Like, what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is Alec here? Right. Well, I, and I feel like there's not enough of that. Like, where's I guess maybe that shows up later in the series, but like, if this is the future, like Alex should be like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Shadowrun, he should be like a Decker, and like hacking into the to the enemy E frames and like making them do what he wants them to do. Like, I right, think that would be super cool. Right, there's definitely like a because um, this show kind of predates the the explosion of digital communications, so that's it, like that's the thing that's kind of missing from all of this is like the idea of like you know like omniscient or like omnipresent surveillance and like you know like uh, wireless connections and stuff and like all the yeah like all the kind of computer oriented side of this like their tech is like kind of in, in some ways like really almost like lo-fi in a way compared to like visions of the future that you get now where everything's like sort of dominated by digital yeah. communications and the like uh, which is it makes it kind of interesting in a way but yeah definitely like it would be interesting to see this with like wi-fi 
Well, it's a, well it, it. Oh, go ahead. When did this? When did the season get released? Because the first 90... season comes out what, like ninety one, ninety two, was it? Yeah, I think the first season's ninety two, and this comes out in ninety three or ninety four. Okay, I mean, people are still using like newsgroup readers, and actually, like the majority of Americans are not yet online. Even right. like, most people who have yeah. internet access at this point are academics. Or like incredibly wealthy people, or people working in the burgeoning tech sector. So yeah. it kind of yeah. makes sense that like I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like I like how you said like low tech, lo fi <laughs> vision of the future. Yeah, yeah. It it, it almost it, it almost kind of reminds me of like the, the especially nowadays like you, when you when you see Star Wars like before the Empire like everyone had like great working technology. Well, the 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 Republic had like all this great technology it was working it was shiny and then after the empire like they stopped fixing things and <laughs> everything starts to get run down and malfunction this almost seems like empire level technology uh where like you know you're, you're you're really getting by especially in this instance because you don't have any resources you're really getting by with scrap metal and what you find right which is funny because like i just you know i've started reading over the past month the uh expanse books um that take great pains mm. to get into the physics of space travel and like you know there's only there's only gravity if they're under thrust and all this stuff and it takes a really long time it takes like months and months and months just to get out to like jupiter and all this stuff and they're like zipping around in no time like going back and forth in a couple you know like hours maybe uh moving around the solar system days i guess at the most um and so it's just kind of funny it's like it's in some ways like a very low-tech vision of the future but at the same time it's like all of their ships have gravity um you know something it was like as i like you know rewatch now like sitting down watching this episode for today it was like oh yeah like that's a thing that like you know of course like a lot of sci-fi just kind of glosses over the gravity issue and the and the moving around um in space issue but it's just it's it is interesting to kind of see it as yeah. both a low a low-fi vision of the future but also like just the amount of technology required to have like um, gravity on that shuttle that um, Dalyon and uh, and Marsh are flying around on. Yeah, I didn't even think about that because all all of their ships have gra- have artificial gravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would mean they're generating it somehow with some kind of like you know technology we don't even get into. Oh, I like to I like to think now that uh, now that you said that like that's. That's probably where like the basis of the technology from the graph shield comes from. Right. Right. Yeah, because it's just like all it is is just extending that projection of gravity to an extreme degree. Yeah. I also really yeah, I like love that. while we're here, just really quickly, because we'll, we'll talk about the graph shield again, I guess, uh, a little bit later. But I really love the crinkling can sound effects for the graph shield. I think it's like some of the best sound <laughs> design in the show. It's just like oh, it sounds like somebody's crushing a beer can. <laughs> the sound department at Universal is just a bunch of dudes <laughs> crushing beer cans against their forehead and recording it. Right. Yeah. Just having a blast <laughs> on Friday afternoon. We need we need more E-frame crushing noises. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, Todd knocked himself out again. <laughs> Freeing from Western Pennsylvania. I, I, you know, for our listeners... Well, a, a few of Kayvon and I have spent a lot of time there, and yeah, we, we're used to seeing people crush beer cans on their heads. I may or may not have done that once or twice myself uh, in my Oof. youth. We, uh, yeah, Western Pennsylvania. Growing up, Western Pennsylvania is a very uh, unique experience. Uh, I, one that I love <laughs> dearly. I love Western Pennsylvania. It's like speaking, not speaking a little bit at all. Beer cans on your head, kind of place. Absolutely, yeah. especially Murraysville, Pennsylvania, okay. where we grew up. <laughs> the poshest beer can crushers. <laughs> well, so it's like very, yeah. Well, I don't want to get into too much about our hometown, but yeah. it's like it's a very it's a very diverse place in terms of its like kind of class backgrounds and stuff, also. But yep. it's a it's an interesting place for sure. Uh, anyway, so yeah, <laughs> um, we get to uh, now we go to Bronski, who has picked up some passenger who we don't we don't know who he is. Uh, he has an Australian accent, and Bronski is being pursued by a lot of Neo Sapien Y or Y wings. Are they called Y wings? Yeah, they're called Y wings. I, I think. Yeah, uh, Kaz Kaz saves him, but like, but contrary to what we saw before, where Bronski was having trouble like parking his E frame while I was standing still, um, he 
like he manages to take out three of those E-frames as they're pursuing him without a whole lot of trouble at all. Right. Like Bronski Bronski is funny in his ineptitude, but he is not inept. Right. Like well, I love it because he's like, at one point, he's like, oh, I can't shake him. And then immediately, the second he finishes yes. saying that, shakes two of them and shoots them down. <laughs> Less than three seconds after he says that, he's just like, oh, I'm going to pull this expert maneuver where I stop and where I thrust backwards, get behind them and kill them. It's like, like wait. So like, you know that thing I said I couldn't do? I'm doing it right now. Maybe he was broadcasting it on an open channel to like trick them. He's like, "Oh no, I can't do anything," and they're like, "Haha, we've got him!" Oh shit! Oh man, that's like daily on levels of like deception there too. Yeah. Um, he he, he uh, at some point at some point Brodsky like spins. I, I is that it's not it's not a barrel roll, but I, I can't remember exactly what it's called. It's it's the it's what Star Fox calls a barrel roll. And um, it looks like he's rocking back and forth. Yeah, well, he, 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 from our perspective, it looks like he flips upside down, but, okay. and it seems to really affect his passenger. But, like, what is that? I have to, like, what does that feel like in space? Because you don't have, like, a point of reference for gravity. So, like, would you, besides the G-force of spinning, would you even realize it? Unless... Would you know that you were upside down? Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless the, because uh, there is no, well, so unless the E-frame itself generates gravity. Um, would, I can't imagine it does. It's, like, yeah. Maybe it does, I don't know. It's because it's hard to say because they don't, like, lift up in their seats at all when they're flying around, you know? They're not floating, and, like, they're strapped in, of course, but, like, you know, oh, I don't yeah, know. I could... Can you imagine having long? That's why. No, Rita doesn't tie her hair back. I was gonna say that's why all of the women have short hair or tie their hair back. Right, but Maggie's like, like if you. I don't know. If you had long hair, it would just be whipping around all the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> maybe maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. I think um, I think it would probably disorient you. That's like not to keep talking about the expanse, but that is something that they get into. Um, you know, like the disorientation for the people who grew up in gravity of like being in zero g, and then like when your perspective shifts all of a sudden, and it's like, okay, wait, what's up and what's down? It's like really disorienting. So maybe, especially for someone who's not an exo pilot, used to flying around in space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. We don't know this guy's like experience in being in an e frame or anything like that. I assume I assume he has some. Because he is doing what he's doing, but but probably within um, Earth's gravity, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kaz and Maggie, or I keep saying Maggie. Kaz and Rita, uh, help help him with the rest of his pursuers, and they get and they, uh, get aboard a ship named the Arnhem, which is where they're getting all the uh, delegates together to bring them to Moonbase Io, and uh, I looked up. It took it took me a while to figure out what they were saying. I finally took turned on captions. I think that ship is named after the Battle of Arnhem in World War Two. Huh. That would be my guess. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's also a city. What? Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. The Battle of Arnhem took place in, in Arnhem. Arnhem. Yeah. 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 But. Um. We go. We're now we're back to Phaeton, who uh he. Kind of, he kind of figure he figures out what's going on because uh, Shiva and uh, what's the other general's name? Typhonus? No. no, not Ty- not Typhonus. Oh, I can't remember the the well the the Earth and the Venus generals. Stra- uh, Draconis. Draconis. Draconis and and Shiva. Yeah. Yeah. Or tell Phaeton. Yeah, we're not sure what's going on. Some E-frames flew in and flew away. We think they have the uh, leaders of the resistance from various groups with them. And Phaeton's like, oh, they must be having some kind of meeting. And he tells Typhonus to follow the Arnhem to figure out where, Exo, where the Exofleet is. And uh, then we go back to the Arnhem. And now we know this guy's name is... Tyree, is for, I looked it up. His first name's Nick. So Nick Tyree, the, for lack of a better way to term to call him, the Australian delegate to Earth's Resistance Council, 
is uh, making a commotion in the mess hall. Uh, you know, complaining about the Exofleet, complaining about Winfield, why they're even there. And uh, he, 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 the Able Squad is sitting there as well, and they're listening in. And uh, they're all yeah. eating green slop. Yeah, they're yeah. all eating <laughs> the most unappetizing food I've ever seen in a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the scene not opens, but like there's a clear shot of like Napier just like over an orange tray spooning what looks like green soup into his face and then like I guess cause Kaz gets upset hearing um Tyree like dissing Exo Squad, dissing Winfield or whatever. So he's getting like more and more upset, but like as the kind of the camera pans or whatever for lack of a better word around everyone at the table, like everyone's just eating out of these like orange um trays, like just green goop. I don't know. This it's, it just looks thoroughly disgusting. Right. Yeah. And Bronski's got that turkey leg looking thing that's just been but it's like the color of cauliflower like it's just been left I, out I to bleach in the sun haunch. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a bone with meat on the end or what i assume to be meat but like <laughs> meat, uh, meat type substance yeah like we were talking meat about, type substance yeah yeah like we were talking about before we started recording came on it's it looks like someone boiled chicken to the point that it turned like yellow and it has no flavor on it at all and, and the and that's, that's how white people eat chicken i guess i I'm take umbrage with that comment <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i don't know if i've ever eaten white like i i i have made some pretty bland food in my in my white life but I don't think I've ever made anything that bland. <laughs> no, All right, the... it's how bodybuilders eat chicken, apparently. Yes, yes. Yeah, I recently go, learned go. that they don't do seasoning because it That's right. makes you, you retain gotta, water. Can't you do that. Perfect nutrition control. Oh, oh, Grim. Even I, I, I lost, I lost like sixty pounds over the course of five months once, and it was basically by eating whole wheat tortillas and grilled chicken. And even I had to like marinate it in barbecue sauce or something because I tried to eat it plain once and I was like, "This is I will I will end my life if I have yeah. to keep eating this." Plain chicken is <laughs> no. plain chicken is a darkness, like through and through. It's a crime, which just makes you wonder too. Like, what was what was European life like before the age of colonization? Because like I mean, all, most of the spices and things that we kind of take for granted now, a lot of that stuff came from the era of colonization so it was like what was food yeah. like before I, that yeah, yeah that's why they were all fucking depressed <laughs> no shit i mean it's they're probably eating exo squad food just like oh it's time for my green mush and boiled mutton yay yeah i can't <laughs> i can't even imagine like ugh, oh. <laughs> yeah um the, so it also also within the scene um Marsala Marsala talks to Kaz, you know, he's saying he's like, Well, Ty, Mr. Tyree is our guest. We must treat him with respect. And then immediately stands up, carrying <laughs> his tray of slop, passes behind Tyree and just pours the entire thing on his head oh. and says, I'm just you know, again, another great Marsala one liner, pardon me, I seem to be all thumbs. <laughs> Waves his giant Neosapien (laughs) fan fingers. (laughs) Oh, it's one of the best moments in this show. It's also so obvious, though, like, because Masala, it's like, wait, why are you walking behind him? Why did you just stop and then, like, tilt your whole tray onto this guy's head? Also, Napier is sitting right next to him and can clearly see that, like, he doesn't just, like, tilt it a little. He just puts it like upside down right right and so so slipped stop for a moment and imagine whatever this stuff is that they're eating is probably lukewarm at this point and just imagine how how does it smell as it's like just like pouring and just imagine the sensation so it's like going to be pouring down this guy's head down his neck under the collar of his shirt and stuff like and just the whatever this smells like just imagine that experience god (laughs) Oh, dark. 
probably has to clean it up in like recycled pee water later too. Like. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, uh. Grim. <laughs> grim. But he deserves because like that's the thing that like kind of it's like what is this dude's problem? Because like he's assumingly come here of his own volition. And then he's here for five minutes, and he's like, yeah, this is a terrible idea. It's like you signed off on this. You well, you know, he's like that guy. He's like that guy in every work project you ever have, right? Anything that involves more than two people. There's always some guy who's like, okay, I listen to what the group wants to do, but here's what I want to do. <laughs> and tries to get everyone to, like, listen to him by, like, r- through ridicule rather than good ideas. Right. Right. Yeah. And just always complains. He's just like, nothing is ever good. doesn't matter what it is. He'll always find something to complain about. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but, uh, JT and Alec uh, are now arriving at uh, some rendezvous destination where they're supposed to meet the pirates. They're attacked by two Neo-Sapien scout ships that destroy the ship that they're on. They escape in their E-frames, which fortunately they brought with them. And take out those scout ships but lo and behold it's a trap the pirates come out of cloaking because they're just sitting there like ah suckers <laughs> just watching this them. happen yeah they're like what if they die well if they die they die i guess yeah not worth our time um and they're uh kid you know basically captured by the pirates um they we meet this guy who uh captain jubail um Again, more sweet pirate pencil, thin mustaches and everything. Um, and I don't know if we learn the other guy's name because there's another pirate with him who's like particularly jacked. He's like got yeah. giant arm and pec muscles. Is what I and a giant neck, right? Yeah, yeah, huge neck. Like he's, but he 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 probably skips leg day because he doesn't have enough time to do anything else. <laughs> uh barka um, is his name Bar- barka yeah barka um and yeah yeah and he's... jubail okay oh, i was just say he's got like a sweet accent yeah jubail nah. <laughs> yeah. and at one point he says daily on save he's like daily <laughs> yeah he's like the pirate version of french <laughs> right uh, well but he's he's like I mean, this is the thing we we spoke about in the first season as well. It's like the pirates are all like vaguely, you know, big inverted commas here, like ethnic mm-hmm. yeah. in different ways. And I feel like this guy is like vaguely Latin American of some kind because oh, yeah. he yeah. kind of reminds me of like the voice actors for Tropico. If you've ever played the Tropico games, like, oh, oh. El Presidente. Like, <laughs> yeah, I got he's it. Got, yeah, he's got a little it. bit of that vibe going on. <laughs> is he Penultimo? <laughs> oh. He might be. Yeah. Well, my Che Guevara knockoff, yeah. Well, and like, uh, Jubail is a, um, uh, actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's an Arabic name, actually, um, to just kind of further compound the, the vaguely ethnic background of these right. guys. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I, I tried to look up the word Jubail, and all I'm seeing is, uh, did you mean Jubilee from the X-Men or Jubala Coffee? I think it's spelled J-U-B-A-I-L. At least the oh, Arabic okay. name is spelled that. Yeah, oh, it's... yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It... Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm seeing that now, now that you've brought it up. That's pretty cool. Um, so, uh... But yeah, yeah. Jubail Jubail confines Alec and JT to their quarters, uh, and uh, this Barca guy tries to convince Jubail, like, "Well, we've got these Exo Fleet members, you know, but our fallen pirate brethren cry out for revenge. Let's just kill them before we take them to Sambaka." And he's like, "No, there are orders to take him to Sambaka. What do you think Sambaka's gonna do to us if he hears I just fucking killed him?" Like. <laughs> uh. Did we lose Kayvon? No, I'm here. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Um the uh we go back we go back to the Arnhem as it arrives uh at the Exafleet base on Io, and Typhonus swoops in for the attack. Able Squad gets out to delay them as long as they can, but there's just way too many Neo Sapiens, they've got too much firepower. And um 
We learned previously in the episode from Nara's narration that Algernon was working on a craft shield for the Exofleet. And Winfield's like, you got to turn it on right now or we're all dead. And Algernon's like, but it's not going to work. It's like, just turn it on and try. Did anybody have a bit of flashbacks to um, what was that? What was his the Neo Sapien uh, guy that was claiming to what was his name claiming to run the craft shield or claiming to have invented it? Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. I've totally his name now. It's, yeah. it's been too long since we recorded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Regardless, did anybody else have flashbacks to that scene with him and uh, whoever the guy in Venus, Draconis, or whichever one it is? A little bit. Yeah, where he yeah. was like, turn it on. He's like, I don't know if it's ready. It's just like, it just was. It felt like a weird parallel between those two scenes. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm now I'm distracted by trying to look up what that guy's name is. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Let's see. Zenobius? Yeah, Zenobius. 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 Yeah. yeah. No, it definitely does feel like that. A little less threatening. But like Winfield Winfield's more like, if you don't turn it on, we're all going to die. Whereas <laughs> whereas Draconis or Shiva was like, if you don't turn it on, you're going to die. <laughs> Oh, it's a difference in the, uh, I guess, the collective, the nature of like collective thinking between the two species. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Algernon's finally relents. He's like, "Fine, I guess I'll try." And he, he turns, he turns it on and destroys a, a small portion of Typhonus's fleet. But Typhonus immediately recognizes what's going on. It's like, "We gotta get the hell out of here!" Um, and so they retreat, and we get this like this last view of them retreating is this one poor Neosapien Y-Wing getting crushed with like a full face on view. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you showrunners for sparing me from actually seeing the pilot inside. And be like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? It's getting turned inside out. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but we get that good beer can crinkling sound. So I'm yeah, here for it. Right. <laughs> Just imagine you're crushing a beer can, but there's like tiny people inside. Ah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> It's so grim. Just imagine smashing it against your head, and then like, this is your hands full of muck. Some kind oh, of god. some kind of drunk version of Fraggle Rock. Like, oh god, it's like oh shit! I killed like a hundred Fraggles who were just trying to recycle my can. Shit. No, I'm a monster. <laughs> How will I ever sleep at night? Oh, well, brutal. Easily with this beard. Oh. <laughs> uh, the um, yeah. Uh, Algernon sulks. He's like, I told you it would break. <laughs> but Winfield assures him, he's like, well, as long as they think we have this, they're not going to continue attacking, so we've got some time right. to fix it. Right. Um, and the 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 episode ends with Alec and JT discussing the mission um, trapped inside what is not really a prison, but a locked room. And Alec points out when JT says, wow, this prison is nice. He's like, pirates don't take prisoners, JT. That's why they don't have a prison. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, that's bad. Dun, dun, and dun. We, uh, that's we racist get... against pirates. They totally <laughs> take prisoners, don't they? I... They took, well, they took real Nara. Pirates. Yeah, that's true. They did. Yeah. yeah. R and real pirates took prisoners to sell as slaves and other things right? and, so, and sometimes black bart was actually taken captive by pirates and then they realized that he was like the smartest person on the boat so they made him captain <laughs> well it always worked that way right? <laughs> they're like hey you can read a map and and you can read you're our pair you're our captain <laughs> he was like a school teacher or something and he was like then all of a sudden became a pirate captain you've been promoted yeah <laughs> um and we see this we see this shadowy conversation with obviously Barca with uh with Phaeton informing them about informing him about the uh Exofleet mission to join up with the pirates. And that's when the sh that's when the episode ends. So yeah. a ton of stuff happening in a first season episode. Setting yeah. up like like three or four different plot lines for the for the season to start going down. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, and that's the thing. It's an introductory episode. It's a lot of just, like, teasers for things and not a lot of, like, the sort of depth that I think will come in the later episodes. Well, there's so many episodes this season that I'm excited to get to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and that that's basically it, everyone. Thanks for the, 
uh, thanks for thanks for listening as always. We're glad to be back in recording, and uh, we look forward to talking more about this show and getting through the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really, yeah. really pumped uh, for this one. Like, for, I love the first season. The last couple episodes of the first season, I think, are some of the best parts of the show. The second season, man, there's so much good stuff coming down the pipeline. Can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Yeah, the, sh- the show the show is pretty dramatically different between the two seasons, mm-hmm. but not in a bad way. No. Well, I think it's hit it, it hits its stride and it settles into what it wants to be more than just a space opera, right? Yeah. Like you were saying at the beginning, it really kind of branches out and explores the broader tapestry of like kind of sci-fi and what it what it can do and yeah. I said I and yeah. it's a shame the show never got to keep going forward cuz there's so much they could have done with this. Well, if Shit's those rumors are true, weird. someday. someday. Yeah. <laughs> it is about to get very weird. <laughs> Shit's about to get weird. <laughs> Hell yes. All right. Well, it's been a long time since we recorded. Do either of you two have anything you would like to plug before we before we exit for the day? Uh, my only... The only thing I've been plugging lately is that I finally published an academic article, but I don't think anyone listening to this show wants to read that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting topic, uh, though. That's true. It's also behind a paywall, so, you know, if you're not an academic, you could email me, I guess, if you really want to read my paper on critical empathy. Put it up on Uh, your academia. You put it up on your academia.edu, didn't you? I did. That's right. Yeah. So if you Google Lexi DeConing, academia.edu, you'll find it. That's the unofficial version for... (laughs) The pirated version. (laughs) The pirated... Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That's kind of what academia.edu is. It's just like, oh, how do I promote my work while getting around the um, like copyright legislation of these fucking journals that put everything behind a goddamn paywall right. so no one can fucking read it? Academia, <laughs> our job is to increase knowledge by hiding it behind a paywall. And it's <laughs> like, one thing we... <laughs> it's anywhere from like 30 to $60 to get one academic article from these uh, uh, journals if you aren't, if you don't have access through the paywall. If there's one thing we can do to increase the educational level of America, it's by putting all the research we ever do behind a paywall that costs as much as most people make in a day. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Academia, a bastion of liberal democracy. (laughs) Yeah, don't let your your kids get indoctrinated by all this communism. Right. Uh, That's my favorite thing Don't worry, the communism's behind a paywall. (laughs) (laughs) Pay for your communism. You want to understand Marx? That'll be $50,000 a year, please. Oh, and we don't need Marx anymore. <laughs> wop, wop. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't I don't have anything to plug. How about you, Kayvon? Uh, so the project that I've kind of mentioned vaguely that I'm working on is coming to fruition. Uh, we are maybe a month-ish. It's a comic uh, I'm working on with a friend of mine. Um, and we're largely through the design stage and almost done with a draft of the first issue, like maybe a month or so away from that. Um, so it's, you know, slowly going cause this is neither of our full-time jobs, but we are working on it and we'll hopefully by the fall have like at least one issue, maybe a couple more that we'll be able to premiere. So I'll say more about that as that, um, kind of becomes more concretized, but it is a thing that is coming. So very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Can't wait to see it. All right. Well, with that, uh, I hope I hope everyone out there is staying safe, happy, and healthy. Hope you all got your shots, and uh, let's let's keep doing the things we need to do to get mm-hmm. life at least. To, let's let's not go back to normal. Let's make things better. Oh, if yeah? only, right? Huh? If only. <laughs> I can hope. I can hope. Well, <laughs> bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. bye.